Yeah, really glad you could join us for the show this evening. Hope you're all having a very, very nice Sunday indeed. It's been a very, very interesting Sunday sports-wise. Not the busiest weekend of sport, but some very uh, interesting stuff happening today, especially in the Premier League, where Manchester United beat West Ham in a dramatic game at the London Stadium. Nice little bit, mate. West Ham United 1, Manchester United 2. The Manchester United goalkeeper, David De Gea, saved a last-minute penalty to preserve the points for the visitors. Mark Noble, the West Ham captain, was brought on as a substitute specifically to take the penalty De Gea made the save that after Jesse Lingard had put United ahead in stoppage time with a brilliant goal West Ham United 1 Manchester United 2 yeah, major drama at the end of that game Cristiano Ronaldo was denied a penalty just seconds before uh, West Ham were awarded a penalty when um, Luke Shaw was adjusted to handle the ball in the box he did handle the ball in the box he blocked across with his hand it was handball all day long Mark Noble comes on to take the penalty wasn't even warmed up what an idiotic decision that was from David Moyes comes on to take the penalty well saved very well saved uh, by David De Gea in the Manchester United goal but Jesse Lingard scoring what uh, proved to be uh, the winner for Manchester United a tough week for him after uh, his mistake gifted young boys the win in the Premier League or the Champions League earlier on in the week but he scored an absolute beauty to win today by two goals to one uh, he's a very very happy man I got a brilliant reception when I came on I had a good time at, at West Ham but also I got to move on with, with Man United and I've got to do my best for Man United so Going to hear now from our West Ham boss, uh, David Moyes. He says he was confident that Mark Noble would score, given his record from 12 yards. At the time you think about it, I think I'd have been more disappointed if I hadn't made the decision than, than I did. But uh, you make them and it just didn't quite work today. I'm not sure I've ever seen a substitute come on in the last minute of a game to take a penalty. I can't remember an occasion. Well, I'm sure someone has. I'm sure someone will text in. It's 0868 to tell me what times where it has happened. But I can't remember off the top of my head ever seeing that, to be perfectly honest about it. Uh, Chelsea 2-0 up uh, away to Tottenham uh, in the final Premier League game of the day. Ian Beach. It's Tottenham nil, Chelsea 2. An own goal by the Tottenham defender Eric Dyer. It was a long-range shot from substitute N'Golo Kante from uh, the centre of the field. And uh, it was going to Hugo Lloris's right. He moved that way, but it hit Dyer, the defender, and deflected to Lloris's left and went in off the post and just apologetically rolled off the post and over the line. So it's Tottenham nil, Chelsea 2. Another great game there, but uh, big applause uh, at the start of the game for former striker uh, Jimmy Greaves, Tottenham and Chelsea former striker Jimmy Greaves, who passed away at the age of 81, part of the World Cup winning squad in 1966. Became a TV legend as well with Saint and Greavesy. Uh, England and Spurs forward Harry Kane um, says he was one of the greats. Jimmy was incredible player, incredible goal scorer, uh, club legend for, for club and country, really. So, yeah, sad day. Harry Redknapp, meanwhile, was a teammate of Greaves and says he was just an incredible player. He was the greatest goal scorer, left foot, right foot. He'd roll them in the back of the net. There'd be bodies diving everywhere in the penalty box trying to block him. But as I say, not only was he a great, fantastic footballer, he was a great, great person as well. Alan Sugar is a former Spurs chairman, of course, and he remembers how Greaves became a TV star after retiring. The Saints and Greavesy was uh, a very popular show. So um, that's how we remember him, and he is a legend, you know, a Tottenham legend. And uh, well, he's a British legend, let's put it that way. I mean, you don't have to be a, a Tottenham supporter. 
been watching a bit of uh, St. Greavesy on YouTube today following uh, Jimmy's passing. Great um, rapport between the two and great banter and some great segments and just two men talking about football. It was a fantastic programme um, from what I can gather from watching on YouTube anyway. I'm a bit too young to have remembered it on TV. Uh, but yeah, enjoyed watching some of those clips uh, on YouTube today. Uh, one other game in the Premier League today. Brighton up to third. Third with a 2-1 win today over Leicester City. Alan Lewis at the Amex. It's finished Brighton 2, Leicester City 1. Brighton hang on for the win, but Leicester will feel a very hard done by to come away with nothing. Brighton were the better side in the first half. They took a deserved lead when Neil Mopay scored from the penalty spot. Danny Welbeck made it two just after the break, but Leicester weren't done yet. Jamie Vardy finished off a good move to pull a goal back and set up a grandstand finish. Lookman had a goal ruled out for offside. Harvey Barnes deflected a shot, dipped onto the crossbar. Ndidi had another goal chalked off by the offside flag. Brighton clung on in the end to make it four wins in six games to start the season. It's finished Brighton 2, Leicester City 1. In Scotland, Celtic have now lost four of their last five games. That's after they were beaten today 1-0 uh, against Livingston was how it finished uh, today. So Celtic uh, is certainly not uh, off to the greatest of starts under Ange Postacoglu. It has to be said, uh, it finished one all at peace between Champions Rangers and Motherwell at Ibrox. That points to Stephen Gerside go back to the top of the table. And rugby, as I mentioned at the top of the show, a 15-7 win for Ireland over Italy in a vital uh, World Cup qualifier today in Parma Bavian Parsons Amy Lee Murphy Crow scoring the tries for Adam Griggs side Stacey Flood kicking that conversion as well as a penalty going to hear from uh, Griggs and we're going to hear uh, from the uh, captain Kira Griffin very very shortly indeed in golf, uh, Niall Kearney finishing up on 12 under par after his final round of the Dutch Open on the European Tour. That left him in a tie for 12th. 11 shots off the winner, Christopher Broberg of Sweden. Gray McDowell finishing up on 9 under par. Olivia Mahaffey is 2 over through 6 in the final round of the Portland Classic on the LPGA Tour. That leads the down native 10 shots off the pace. Uh, one game today in the Co-op Superstores Premier Senior Hurling Championship. Sarsfields defeating Caratool. Uh, 5.18 to 16 points and racing today at Listowel as well the Willie Mullins trade easy game won the feature race of the day the Kerry Group steeplechase the 7 year old got his victory by Paul Townend Right, we'll keep you up to date on that uh, final Premier League game of the day. Chelsea 2-0 up away to Tottenham with about 10 minutes left to play. Just going to get some reaction from the Irish rugby camp following that win over Italy today in that World Cup qualifier. Going to hear from Captain Kira Griffin. Congratulations on the win. Um, I might just initially get your, your overall thoughts. What you're feeling at the moment after what I imagine was a very, very difficult week? Yeah, look, cheers to that, Neil. Um yeah, look, obviously happy with, that we got the result, happy we put in the performance that we, we know we could do. Um, hit the nail on the head there, it was a tough week. You know, we we were, we were tough on ourselves. We had a lot of hard work on the pitch, a lot of hard work off the pitch to make sure we were ready to go. Um, and thankfully that came to the fore today. You know, we got the result we wanted, got the win. Um, so in terms of that dressing room, look, all the girls, you know, they, they, they fought to the very end. They fought for every ball. So there's tired bodies in there. But um, recovery is the next step now and then building again tomorrow for next step six, Scotland. In the, the week leading up to this match, can you ever remember being involved with the squad where there was maybe as much pressure on the team as there was over these last few days? Yeah, look, there was pressure on us. We, we, we had a very good talk in terms of pressure and how you use it and, you know, how you can use pressure for your advantage and kind of take it like you, know, you should be 
it take the pressure as a pleasure at times as well in that you're in those high stakes games and kind of turn it to your area that you can put the pressure back on the opposition um, so I think look we met that pressure well this week obviously the job is definitely not done it's just we're one step one step closer um, so a big push and massive focus this week starting tomorrow and for yourself, when you came off in the second half, you had a quite a pronounced limp. How are you feeling at the moment? Is that anything to be concerned about for next Saturday? Oh God, no, no, I'm fine. Um, just a tiny bit of cramp, but look, the, the 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 joy of this squad is, you know, there's people champing at it to command, but in their own performance, their own name on a shirt. So you know, no, I'm fine. It's a massive squad effort here today. How does it feel at this stage? Is it uh, elation or is it relief or a mixture of both? Um, happy to be honest you know happy we did the job happy we, we got the performance got the win um, elation you know <laughs> I, we, we might save elation for next week to be honest you know what I mean we, we, there's still a lot of work to do so you can't get too carried away but definitely a happy dress room in that we put the work in did the job and got the result we wanted um, so yeah I'd say happy is a good word and what's the what was the key thing for you in, t- in terms of today's win and what was what was it that got you over that line more than anything else? I think it was just, a, it was just hunger in that group. You saw it as a squad effort. Everyone put their body on the line. We fought for every ball, every spill ball, you know, every set piece. No, we didn't stop working as a group, as a squad, as a 23, as a 28. Um, all week and all day today, we, we worked and we kept wanting to put our best foot forward. And there was real hunger there. You could see that. And I think that having that hunger and having that execution along with it, you know, just bodes well for a squad. That's Kira Griffin there, Ireland captain. You can hear the relief in Kira's voice after that 15 7 win over Italy. A lot of pressure, as was mentioned there in that press conference, on Ireland heading into today's game after defeat last week. Somewhat surprising defeat last week. So back on track, 15 7 win for Ireland. Uh, Going to hear now from our Ireland head coach Adam Griggs following today's win. Here. So, Adam, congrats on the win. Um, I imagine you're very happy. You might just initially give me your overall thoughts on the performance, please. Yeah, I'm happy that we, we got the result that we were after. Uh, I, I think probably initially, I think we could still have been more clinical uh, in that green zone and, and uh, coming away with more points. But at the same time, I thought we really did a really good job of keeping Italy um, at bay and, and forcing pressure on them through our defence. And it was something we spoke about this week, putting a real emphasis on closing down their space and not giving them time on the ball. And I thought we did a really good job of that and it showed and um, them struggling to exit which kept us in the right areas of the field and as I say it would have been probably nice to execute a couple more of those opportunities but at the same time we were after the result and, and we're happy with that Do you think uh, considering you got that second try with around 20 minutes to go and you did have a lot of pressure do you think there was a bonus point potentially there for the taking? Yeah, I think if we look at, as I say, the, the areas of the field we were in, um, it was definitely something that we, we started to talk about in the coaching box. But at the same time, um, what was more important was stopping Italy from getting a bonus point. And so, again, defence remained our focus, um, making sure that they didn't cross the line. And even though we had that result, I suppose we had the eight-point buffer, it was really important that they didn't get anything from the game. So, um, absolutely, we would have liked a couple more tries and... Um, executed some of that but at the same time I think stopping them from coming away with anything in the game was just as important And just finally for me then Adam obviously the moment of the game was probably your your second try Emily Murphy Crow scoring but I mean 
the the run in the lead up from uh, from Bevin Parsons. By my count, it was seven tackles she evaded. What's going through your mind when you're when you're watching Bevin just coast up the pitch, seemingly? <laughs> yeah, she's outrageous. I think at times, um, I think she had a really good game. You know, she's so hard to beat one on one, and the beauty of her collecting that ball at the back, you know, having time and space to start to pick out players one-on-one meant that she was able to use her feet, um, you know, bounce him off, get into space quickly with that acceleration she has. And again, the pleasing aspect for me of that try is that once she was brought to ground, we recycled the ball quickly. And um, I spoke about it during the week, having trust in the backs to execute. And there was some really good draw and pass using the ball to the width and Great to see Amy Lee on the other end um, of that, scoring the try for us. So really happy with how clinical we were with that. And um, I think it was, a, it was a good confidence booster for those players as well. Um, can you just talk about that key period just before halftime when you were under the couch and you held on? There was a couple of key tackles, one from, from Griffin in particular sort of stood out. Was that psychologically, was that the big moment of the match for you? Yeah, I think so. We've always spoken about the five minutes before half time and the five minutes after half time being really important to us. And if we look at back at the game from memory, that five minutes of that defensive set was huge and we got a couple of crucial turnovers. I think Stacey Flood was also in there. I thought she defended outstandingly today as a, as a 10. And then after half time, the first five minutes, we got some really good ball and recycled really well and put ourselves in the right areas of the field. And as we said, it was important for us to try and control the tempo and, and play at the pace we wanted to and we felt we, if we did that and we could go direct you know we would get some front football and keep it really under pressure and so you know defense was the ultimate goal of, of keeping them out but at the same time I thought we transitioned really well into our attack as well. Um, Adam would the lineouts be a, still be a concern for you heading into the next game against Scotland? Yeah, I think that's probably the one major work on that we still need to, to get right. Um, our scrum was hugely improved and we got some really good front foot ball off that. But absolutely, you know, we've got to be smarter at uh, calling the, the, the ball to space. And I think you find a lot of those lineouts that we did end up losing, um, we were going up against their, their main jumpers. And so... You know, in a line, they're going to give you space somewhere, whether it's at the front or it's at the back, and you've got to be clever to, to see that space and call it so you can put the ball there. And I think when we did get the line that right, the call was spot on, the lifts were good, and the throw was good. And eight times out of ten, that was probably towards the back. And then we got caught up probably just trying to play to the front, and, and we were marked up, and it makes it very hard to win any ball off that. So it's definitely something um, that we need to work on this week. That's Adam Griggs there, the Ireland head coach, uh, looking ahead uh, to, to next week's game against Scotland, which takes place next Saturday evening, 5 o'clock in Parma. Ireland back on track today with that 15-7 win over Italy after losing 8-7 to Spain last week. So a good performance from Ireland today. But as Adam said there, uh, plenty to work on ahead of next week's game. Almost the time added on at the new Tottenham uh, Stadium and Chelsea winning by two goals to nil. Uh, that game is almost up. Get full-time report on that one in a bit. Now, earlier on this week, it was announced that Darren Murphy was to take charge of co Ramblers on a permanent basis. He had been in charge on an interim basis after coming in following the sacking of Stuart Ashton a couple of months back. But he's been handed the reins now on a permanent basis uh, on a two-year contract. I got a chance to speak to Darren today about his plans for the future with the Ramblers. 
on the line by Darren Murphy who was uh, permanently installed as Cove Ramblers manager uh, earlier in the week uh, Darren joins on the line now Darren how are you boy? Yeah I'm not too bad just enjoying the Sunday here enjoying the there's a nice bit of weather but there's a a bit of a dark cloud coming down there now. I say we see a bit of rain, which is probably good for the pitches. Yeah, so, probably, yeah. Like Congratulations, um, Darren. Uh, first off, you must be um, a thrill to, I suppose, be appointed to Ramblers manager on a permanent basis. Yeah, delighted. Um, you know, since I've come in, I've really enjoyed it. Um, and me and the team, uh, the, ba- the backroom team, are, are happy to kind of, you know, get that extension and kind of get kind of a bit of solidness in place, I suppose, and, um, you know, to look forward and you know I suppose what we're looking at is kind of is that kind of project or kind of plan put in place and see if we can turn things around there What's been I suppose the um, the, the hardest part I suppose about managing in the League of Ireland I mean like stepping up from, from the one senior league and I suppose being with the 19s what's been the, the hardest part about managing a, a League of Ireland senior team? Um. I suppose the expectation of the outside is probably the hardest one, pre, uh, really, Rory. I suppose, like, you know, we, we kind of come in, you know, we're ha- trying to help the players to, to progress and be the best players they can be and, you know, trying to promote young players. But obviously the, the pressures from the outside then are, and in results, I think, is, you know, is probably the hardest part. But again, that 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 comes in time and it comes you know when you get a good squad together and you know everyone's in in it together and there's a trust built there between you know coaching staff the club and the players so again look that's that's why the kind of the the, the two years hopefully kind of something that um we can look down the line and and, and get in together but um that's that's what I I would say the hardest bit about it is um like there's I suppose managing in the Munster Senior League was a great uh, learning curve for me personally after coming out of the, the professional side of the game and going and seeing what I suppose people go through you know with having to having jobs uh, and, and, and you know like um, having families and, and stuff like that and, and fitting the football in around it and I think uh, you, you need a kind of an outlook on that side of things as well to, to understand people what they're going through you know Mm. And how do you manage those expectations then, Darren? I mean, like, I know fans want results immediately and they want to see Ramblers winning every game every week, but how do you manage that expectation? I suppose at the same time, the board obviously have faith in you and your vision for the club to say that they've given you a two-year deal, so that must be a massive uh, boost for you as well. Yeah, I think, look, they probably see what we're kind of doing in, in around the club and, and, and what we want what we want to bring forward. We've, we've brought a, young, a lot of young players through now as well, which is great for the club. Because they've got an academy and they want to feed that through. So, but there's, there's, you know, there's a good squad of players there at the moment as well, and you know we're we're putting in the extra the work with them. I suppose Rory, the, the answer to it is like you know there's there's no answer really. We all we will do is go in there and try and make them uh, fitter, faster, stronger, you know, and try and try and make them the best players and give them the best chance. The, the you know, there's a couple of us have been at professional clubs and know what's expected and what the environments are like and we're just going to pass that on look football is football at the end of the day if the results don't come you know someone else comes in and, and takes over that that just happens but we'll we'll try to do that that at our best so my my management of the expectation on the outside is yes you need to put the pressure on because it keeps the pressure on us but what we will be doing is, you know, we will be doing exactly what every other team in the world does, you know, um, and, you know, trying to improve the players 
and, and their performances week in, week out. Something that's been um, very um, noticeable, I suppose, Darren, as well, is the, the cooperation between Cove football clubs, which hasn't always been there in the past with, with Springfield Ramblers and Wanderers and Cove Ramblers. It's fantastic, the scene. It's resulting, I suppose, in players um, progressing all the way up from Springfield Ramblers to Cove Ramblers, uh, and which may not have always been the case. Yeah, like it's 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 been brilliant. I I personally know a lot of um, you know um, members and the other clubs, and and they all seem to be great lads. And they, they said you know they're building the, the the facility and the structure which is needed down there as well. I know just even the board and cover um, outstanding. The amount of work they do off the pitches, you know, they they all have full time jobs as well. You know, they're 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 putting in you know structures and 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 building the club. And I suppose a lot goes in the background that you don't see with fundraising you know organisation like and, and getting funds and, and sponsorships and, and then keeping those relationships as well um, you know with the FEI and, 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 and it, all their vendors or, or their sponsors or you know it's, it's, it's a big operation when you mm. actually get, get in and have a look at it and the amount of work that's gone on and even to get the link with Burnley and you know Villarreal and, and, and kind of progressing these uh, conversations is you know it's it's a uh, inspiring in a way i suppose if you're a player down there you know it's a huge opportunity for players now in cove ramblers because especially the young lads coming down the academy you know you're you're coming into an academy where burnley want players over you know they're asking us for every every player that we can we we can provide to them you know villarreal have, have kind of you know they're going to be sending coaches over and scouts and stuff like that and you know there's there's a huge there's a pathway to the senior team as well because um, you know, we're 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 looking for those young, talented footballers. Because I think football's going that way. It's like, you know, nearly thirty is an older player now in football. Um, now again, we still have mm. um, our thirty-year-olds and stuff, and you need that experience. They need to bring the young lads in, you know. But it seems to be going that way. And just speaking of football and Cove as well, Darren, the, the, the facility down at Old Church Park, the Astro, the Cove uh, for All, Football for All um, project has been a fantastic boost, I suppose. It's nearly finished now and it's going to be fantastic for the uh, the entire uh, the entire island of Cove, I guess. Huge. I mean, like, it, 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 it's badly needed. I know that, you know, you're going outside of Cove, to, teams are going outside of Cove to train and get Astros and I suppose it's the way teams are looking around Cork now, you know, they're they're looking obviously building an Astro because it, it gives you the value back with you know, training and being able to use it any any time of the year and um no, I think it's, it's it looks like a fantastic setup. You you even look at the they're gonna have a floodlit pitch as well next to a grass pitch for uh Cove Wanders and, you know, a full size Astro which is uh, you know, like it, it'll only bring up the town. I, I look at a club there closely, um, Carrig Line United, you know, built the Astro that time, you know, their academy came on an awful lot. You see their senior team is thriving now as well um, from it. And, and you know, it, it's just a place where people need to play. Like, you need, like, if you look at it now, like, young lads, they need to be playing football nearly every night of the week, you know. They, they need a place to play. So, I suppose the the kind of the fields and, and and pitches are kind of being kept for maybe you know keep off and we want to play games here and stuff like that so it'll only kind of boost the football in the town and it certainly will and just getting back to Ramblers I suppose for a minute Darren I mean like yeah, this season we're running out of games I suppose this season only five or six left you're obviously tired of being next season looking ahead to next season I mean like would challenging for for promotion be on the cards for Ramblers next season is that would that be your hope for next season yeah look definitely you'll be 
you'd be silly not to turn around and say like we're not going to go for it uh, obviously you know that's that's every football team that's in the league is going to turn around and, and, and try and have a go at, at, at the season looking forward like and have a good pre-season and, and you know like otherwise what's the point in competing mm-hmm. so yeah we'll be in there to compete obviously there's a lot of work to be done now between um, the the end of the season and in the off season the next season but again I, I'll push that out and worry about it in, in the end of the season we're probably going week to week now and see if we can get a few results together and even you know I suppose let these lads kind of you know express themselves and you know like they, they, they will be on show whether it's the other clubs or us or anyone else so they need that opportunity as well so um, you know we're we're delighted working with them and, you know, happy for them to progress in their own careers. And that's the kind of club ethos at the moment is that, like, you know, we want we want players to kind of progress and, and move on because that dream has to be there, I think. Every every kid grows up, they want to play for Man United or Barcelona or Liverpool or someone like that. And, you know, it's the local clubs then that kind of facilitate that dream and hopefully you can get, like, on. And I think that's the whole kind of premise of playing football in it and get, get an international appearance or something like that, so... Definitely, yeah. And I suppose um, the results there, since you've come in, I suppose, haven't been, <laughs> you're still looking for your first league win uh, as Rambler's boss, but have you been happy with the performance levels uh, from the team? I mean, like you, you were looking a couple of games not to get all three points and it's just been, I suppose, a frustrating last couple of weeks. Yeah, I suppose, look, the performance have, have been okay. Like, we just, we haven't, I, I suppose if you watch the games, you know, like, and, and it's it's easy to say, like, you know, but we have we have created good chances. We've, we've yeah. created over eight, nine chances of games just haven't taken them. And I think we when we came in first, you know, we were going to get, get with we, we, the FAI Cup game, obviously, and then we had um, Shells, where it was a two-all. It was a fantastic performance. And we were at Lone Home, you know, with two suspensions, then you lose four nil to your local, uh, you know, uh, rivals, and uh, a couple of injuries, and and we're changing the team, and you know, like we've just had that now for a couple of weeks where we've kind of had to pull fellas in and out with maybe suspensions, injuries, and it's just, it's just not being settled for us yet. And I think the players that are there are very good. We see there's a great squad there. You know, there's some very very talented footballers in the team. It's just to try and get that kind of togetherness and 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 nail down, you know, like your eleven anyway to kind of start with and kind of go forward. But yeah, look again, we're going week to week. I mean, that's football. At the end of the day, you want to try and you want to try and win every game, you know, that you play, and 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 that's for a player as well. So look, we it's not a case of oh, we're just down down in tools and giving up here, like, and we're looking forward to next next season. That's not the case. Like, it's it's go out there, you know, and and, and try and get the result at the weekend and that's what we work off I've been glad I suppose to have the weekend off this week to have more uh, time with the lads on the training pitch heading into to next Saturday's game with Bray yeah and again like that's you know like these these lads it's a long season for them and, and, and as, as well it, it, it's excellent for a bit of recovery and with the bodies and stuff like that because we were kind of you know depending on um, you know all our squads the last, the last couple of weeks so it, it's good for them to kind of get a bit of a, a kind of a, a lighter week and stuff like that so um, yeah and, and then kind of going into next week's game there now as well preparing for it which is really good for us and it's great as well be, uh, being able to have fans back at the games and that's always been a key thing at Cove Ramblers games is the atmosphere that, it, 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 that, that it, it's there I suppose in St. Cummins Park so getting as many fans through the gates for the last couple of games of the season is vital for the club really 
Yeah, it's brilliant to sport. No, the last couple of games has been excellent. Yeah. Like you know, in, in fairness, like and 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 I I think everyone's seen what kind of people uh, the co-founders are trying to build down there, and they're kind of uh, buying into it. And you know, we we would go to a lot of their um, games as well. You know, locally with Springfield and Co. Wanderers, and you know, like and and it, it kind of did. The, that relationship is starting to build but yeah it was great even the, the first two games oh, we, we, we had a good crowd and lads were singing in the crowd and stuff like that so it's, <laughs> it's great it's great to have that like even for the, the players to be playing in that as well you know yeah fantastic yeah, finally Darren you're in the job two months are you uh, enjoying it? yeah I am really enjoying it um, look I, I, again there's you know it, it comes with its um as it, as it pressures and, 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 and with results and stuff like that but from I suppose when, when we're working with the lads and, and you know you're going into the games and you see everything's coming out and they're working hard and they're getting better and you know that's 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 the, the, the great part of it and even the backroom team that's coming together there now like we're you know we're we're, we're pretty open we're you know um, all kind of on, on the same page and have the same agenda and yeah look we yeah, I, I think you have to enjoy it if you don't enjoy it then you know it's not going to happen for you and that's for a player as well like and I always say that to, to players is that like you need to be enjoying it to, enjoy, to, to play your best football so um, yeah Excellent Darren a pleasure talking to you buddy best of luck next Saturday night Cheers Rory thanks bye Always a great uh, pleasure talking to, uh, to Darren Murphy and uh, best of luck to him in the next couple of years with Cove Ramblers. Um, he's been in the last couple of months. It's been a, a tough time for them. Uh, him and his team, I suppose, they're looking for their first league win as uh, Ramblers uh, boss. But uh, some good performances and uh, as Darren was mentioning, looking ahead to next year already and uh, trying to get the project off the ground, start building for next year and hopefully what will be a title uh, a push and a promotion push for Ramblers next season with Bray Wanderers to come at St. Cummins Park next Saturday night to so get down and support the Ramblers if you can. Still to come on the show, we're going to hear from Paddy Harrington ahead of next week's Ryder Cup. But up next, we're talking to Jackie Hurley about Girls Play 2. Breakfast on Cork's Red FM. Uh, Luck and Pluck are the two lads on the front of the uh, Indo this morning. Luck and Pluck. Yeah, and Luck and Pluck is actually what you call me and Laura as well. Uh, well, no, <laughs> it, it's close, close. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Breakfast with Ray Foley. With Hertz Car Sales. Shop, click and pick your car online today. HertzCarsales.ie Weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at Red we're here with you on the Big Red Bench full time from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium victory for Chelsea Ian Beach Tottenham nil, Chelsea 3 very impressive from Chelsea Tottenham gave a really good account of themselves in the first half the home supporters were roaring them forward but Chelsea always looked like they believed in themselves and in the second half Thiago Silva headed home from a corner Eric Dyer deflected an N'Golo shot an N'Golo Kante shot into his own net and Antonio Rudiger added a third in added time there were thousands of empty seats at the end Tottenham nil, Chelsea 3 yeah, very impressive stuff from Chelsea they go level on points at the top of the table with Liverpool and Manchester United Chelsea and Liverpool both uh, with identical records 4-12 against 1 United 4-13 against 4 so th- they're all there on 13 points and Brighton now in 4th place 4 uh, wins and a defeat from them in their opening 5 games 
fantastic start uh, from Brighton not so good for Celtic though as you mentioned at the top of the show they've lost one at Livingston it's their third defeat of the Scottish Premiership season they've just nine points from their opening six games they're four points behind Rangers already this is boss Ange Postacoglu says it was a poor performance and a poor result you allow them to score and then you've dug a hole for yourself and, and we didn't really I mean we, we created chances but our decision making in the front third was pretty poor and yeah, um, they defended really resolutely and disappointing afternoon for us. Sounds like a beaten man already. How long more will he be in the job? It's a tough gig for him. It's been a very, very tough start for him. A baptism of fire and another defeat today for the Hoops. All right, our pal Jackie Hurley has just released Girls Play 2, book two. The Cork native and sports broadcasters put out the sequel to the hugely successful first book, which is available now. I spoke to Jackie about the success of the first book and the difficult task of picking the stars for book number two and more. Okay, Girls Play 2. Book 2 has been released. More inspiring stories of Irish sportswomen. I'm delighted to be joined by its author, Jackie Hurley. Jackie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Um, I've got a copy of the book here next to me. It's absolutely fantastic. I've been reading it to my girls and they've been uh, looking at it and uh, and admiring the illustrations, mostly because they're a bit young, like, you know, but I suppose the idea of the book, Jackie, in the first book was to, I suppose, inspire young girls like my daughters to, to look at sports and kind of say, why not? Why can't I do it too? Yeah, exactly. And to be honest, like the reaction to it from, you know, girls like your own daughters there, you know, that's what you want. You want them to be reading about their sports heroes and you want boys to be reading the book as well because you want them to recognize that like even with a weekend like this, you know, my son was watching Leona Maguire on TV and he's like, oh, yeah, she's in the book. You know, it's just that immediate recognition for boys and girls to know that there's loads of girls who are playing sport as well. And look, it's it doesn't need to be life changing. It's just very, very simple small things that we can do to help kids be inspired by female and male sports stars because there's plenty of them this is not an either or it's like let's show them that there's girls as well you know what I mean Mm -hmm. the first book was released last year it was a phenomenal success were you kind of um, taken aback I suppose by the success of it Oh yeah. Oh God. Like honestly, I was totally blown away. <laughs> like I knew in a way that it was the right book for the right time and it felt to me like I suppose in a way the, the, the motivation behind the book was I wished I had a book like that and then I was kind of instead of thinking why doesn't somebody else write this? I was like, well, why don't I do it? You know, and then after I put it out there, I kind of knew that people would like it, but I had no sense that it would be this big. And I think a lot of it is down to the success of the people in the book. Like, you know, when Rachel Blackmore had such a successful year winning at Cheltenham, winning at Aintree, the amount of messages that I got from teachers, from parents, from kids saying, oh yeah, I watched that girl and I know all about her from the book and all that. And similarly, like with Katie Taylor and with Kelly Harrington when she won at the Olympics, the amount of messages that I get on the back of their success is lovely because it means that a whole new generation of fans are coming to them sooner like yes all of us as adults can appreciate the successes of the Irish sports women and men that are that are ongoing but actually when you see it through a children's eyes it's all the more inspiring and to me that's the thing that has blown me away the most just the reaction of kids is oh it's really floored me like I, I say this all the time but of all of the things in my career it's probably the one thing that I was never sure I would do writing a book mm-hmm. I, I always thought it would be nice to do it but it wasn't a I'm definitely going to do that it's probably the thing in my career that I'm most proud of because it's tangible it's there and I know that it's making a difference to kids and to me that's really really important What was the process like of I suppose taking it from pitch to getting published and how difficult the process was that? 
Yeah, it's funny because the illustrations were the one thing that I really was so adamant that they needed to be right. And I wanted a team of illustrators on it because I felt like, why don't we make this a project that showcases Irish women generally? So I wanted five female Irish illustrators. So the process of trying to get the right five and all that took some time. Identifying the right athletes is also like incredibly difficult because, look, you know yourself, Rory, like you're talking to these people all the time. There's so many to choose from that it's really hard to make sure that you're getting the right balance where you've got lots of sports covered but equally there's a pedigree of athletes there that are really identifiable for people so the process of writing the book wasn't hard but pulling all those elements together was difficult um, and also look getting Lidl on board in the first place once I brought the pitch to them and was like look I'd love you to be part of this they were like yeah 100% yes you know and once you have the backing of those and a lot of the other bookstores like Eason's immediately were like we love this we're mm-hmm. totally on board and once you get a lot of the big books stores on board as well you kind of know then that this is going to work so after that it was just like let's write it and get it out there and then really doing the second one just made so much sense not from a point of view of oh let's push the series it was actually more because so many people asked me are you doing another one are you doing another Mm -hmm. one and I think in the back of my head I always wanted to do another one but you you can't promise that you're going to do another one if the first one is terrible and nobody likes it (laughs) but then suddenly when people are coming and saying oh you know my daughter really loved that are you doing another one then the answer is yes and and the other thing that I always get asked is are you doing a boys one and to be honest I'd love to do a boys one as well I really would because it's the one thing that has shown me since this since the book came out that actually a lot of young boys are coming up to me and saying I'd love a boys one and I hope the argument always was well boys don't need one because there's loads of books about boys but mm. actually my feeling on it has changed that actually now we should be giving boys one because just because there's loads of other books out there doesn't mean that they don't deserve a book about Irish sports boys so hopefully in the next couple of years I'll get around to doing that as well What's the process like I suppose for selecting the athletes I'd imagine you're under a bit of pressure especially with the sequel to, to include uh, as many people oh, as you can and I'd imagine people are texting you all the time going can I be in your book? <laughs> I tell you what, it's absolute torture because, like, look, Ireland's a small country. Like, the reality is you know all these people. You know, a lot of them are my friends, you know. So how do you tell your friends that they're not in the book, you know? Um, And how do you, like, it's a case of, particularly when it comes to, like, where you and I are from in Cork, where, like, you know, obviously there's a huge amount of successful Cork athletes. You know, I could have had one book alone for all the Cork (laughs) athletes. But, um, you know, you can't be accused of being too biased either. And you need to keep the Cork bias in check as well, that you don't want a book with 10 Cork athletes and 15 from everywhere else either so there's a balance of that and like with the first book particularly because it was always going to be Breach and Rena, then you look at all the other Cork GAA stars and you're like well you know how many All-Irelands does it take to get into a book like I've got friends in the, who have you know 10, 11 12 All-Ireland medals who aren't in this book and that's incredibly difficult but um, look I think the, the most difficult part is trying to find stories that are different that you want you know lots of things that people identify with and one of the things in this book is look I really wanted to have a lot more life adversity in this book because particularly the age that you're targeting it at you want kids to be able to identify with things that maybe they all don't want to go to the Olympics or maybe they all don't want to win All-Ireland medals but they might identify with let's say Kaylee Walsh is in this book, the jockey and she's talking about overcoming a stammer you've got Grania Dwyer, the basketball player is talking about dyslexia and you know the impact that that had on her childhood, you've got Senna Upu, the rugby player who's talking about body complexity issues and overcoming anxiety and that kind of stuff and really a lot of that is hugely important to young girls as well so I kind of wanted to make sure that when you're choosing athletes there's a 
a wider picture that young girls can see that they overcame lots of sporting issues and lots of life issues too and I think mm. that's really really inspiring as well uh, you mentioned your illustrators, Jack. You've got five wonderful illustrators in this book, Sinead Colleran, Rachel Corcoran, Jennifer Farley, Jennifer Murphy and Lauren O'Neill, who all have distinct styles from each other as well. How do you decide which illustrator is best for which athlete? Uh, that's Now, in fairness, I left that one to the publisher because I was like, <laughs> I really don't want to be getting involved in this either because, look, they all have really distinct styles and you don't know what they're going to do with it. And the one thing that I promised myself was I really did not want to interfere. I didn't want to be getting involved and ringing illustrators and saying, I don't like what you did there or can you do this or can you do that? Or like when it comes to somebody like Anna Geary, who's in this book, she's obviously famous for lots of things, you know, and I wanted her to be very prominent for Camogie, but like quite clear, clearly lots of kids know her from being in Fittest Family and you know they know her from being on Dancing with the Stars and they know her from presenting on TV so you're trying to give elements of that and in fairness like Jen Murphy did an amazing job on her like pulling together all those elements but like for all of them I just kind of wanted each of them to get very different athletes as well so like let's say you don't want them all to just get GAA players or you don't want them all to get you know hockey players or whatever it is so I tried to make sure that with the publishers everybody got a good variety of sports they could do something different with them and in fairness look they all did an amazing job like I think the illustrations are my favourite part about this book and it is the one thing that when kids stop me it's the pictures that they're drawn to first you know even my own son he's seven he can read the book himself but it's the pictures that pull him into the story so I'm glad that we got that right in particular Overall Jackie do you think the representation of Irish sportswomen in the media has increased and the coverage has gotten better over the last couple of years? Yeah, it has. And actually, the last five years has been an acceleration like none before. Like, if you, if we'd been having this conversation five years ago, you'd have struggled for people to be able to name lots of the people in yeah. the book. Whereas I think now, because they're all on mainstream TV, like take the weekend that we just had last weekend, right? You had a situation where, obviously, Katie George uh, Dunleavy and Eva McChrystal on the Friday blow it out of the water, a third medal at the Paralympic Games, amazing stuff. Then you've got Leona Maguire absolutely killing it in the Solheim Cup. Katie Taylor goes and wins. You've got Katie McCabe playing a really prominent uh, game for Arsenal live on Sky Sports in a big position. And then, obviously, you had me, the ladies footballers, winning on Sunday. And all of them were live on TV. Like, you and I know that that would not have happened five years ago. Like, some of those events might have been live on TV, but they certainly wouldn't have been in the position that they were in. And I think that's been the biggest change. And like, it is a chicken and egg thing. You do have to put it on TV and put it on newspapers and put it on the radio and put it in those prominent positions for people to see it. And I think once they've seen it, they've realized, oh, wow, this is actually really good. I'm going to come to it again. And look, you're seeing it with attendances and all that as well. So I, I think particularly the last five years has been a huge growth there's still a way to go I definitely think there's more change coming I, I really really think that we're moving into a whole new period like you see it even with the FAI agreeing equal pay like you're going to see more of that kind of stuff happening where there's bigger commercial deals for women's sports but it's been really positive for me it's been the biggest change in my in the landscape of my career and, and probably the one I've been happiest to see I have to say and just even looking at the RT Sports Person of the Year this year it's going to be a battle between the uh, women by the looks of it to whoever gets the <laughs> opportunity to pick that because you're not going to be able to win with this one because there's been so many of them like you know and let's say you know Europe go out and win the Ryder Cup and Shane Larry pulls off another amazing performance or Rory McIlroy and they put themselves in the mix you look at the Olympics and everything that's gone with it it's, God the, the sports personality of the year is always a is always a wild one to predict but because the women have been so strong this year 
I'd be surprised if it's not a woman winning those kind of accolades when it comes to the end of the year but uh, it's great to see really isn't it it's absolutely fantastic I have to say and it's it's fantastic to be able to, to watch these with my daughters as well on TV I remember um, something that really stuck with me a couple of years ago as I was watching a women's match on TV and my daughter was about three or four at the time and she said dad they're not men on the TV and she was genuinely shocked and to say it's for her to say that at four years of age kind of really struck me so like the fact that like books like yours are out there to help her I suppose understand is a massive part of it yeah and you know what's funny as you say that like that was one of the big things when I wrote the first book I remember I mean I've told this story before but I was at the zoo with my son Luke and his friend Ivana was with him and I overheard them having this conversation about girls are better boys are better girls mm. better boys are better and I heard Ivana saying to Luke actually you're right boys are better and I was like whoa, whoa, whoa hang on a second now why do you say that and she was like oh boys matches are on the TV and my god my heart broke because it was just I was sitting there going oh my God, how does a seven-year-old girl think like this, you know? And I was like, society has already taught her that boys are better because we show their matches and we don't show girls' matches. And I was saying to her, Ivana, girls' matches are on the TV. And she was like, oh, I just, maybe I just haven't seen them. And I was thinking wow, we really need to change that perception. And I do think, you know, for your daughters, for my daughter, you want them to know that it's equal. You know, okay, it might not, we might not get to a point in the next couple of years where everything is equal in terms of attendances, in terms of money or whatever. But what I'd like to show them the most at their age is that opportunity is equal. And by showing them, you know, look, that there's sports stars for them to to look up to, that's really, really important in that. So look, hopefully we all have a role to play in that and it, it continues to get better over the next couple of years Well said uh, Jackie just before we wrap up just want to ask about your, your Olympic experience working out of Ferrari and being in Tokyo how incredible was it? Oh, it was amazing and you know what the best thing was that it went ahead because I was really worried the closer we got to it that just with the cases on the rise that maybe it yeah. wouldn't and I think for a lot of the athletes in particular they put their lives on hold for five years so for them to be able to do it I was glad the experience itself was like just challenging because no fans you know you're kind of the conduit for them to be able to speak to their families at home and I quite enjoyed that just being able to get there but uh, watching the Irish success was amazing it really was I think the rowers have just won everybody's hearts time and time again. The women's four in particular was a really special medal because I just think you know, maybe Paul and Finton were going out there in a lot of people's minds with a gold medal halfway around their neck. But the women's four, if you weren't into rowing, they, I think they won a whole a whole new set of fans. And for me in particular, just watching them the first day when I went out, I just thought, wow, this is a really special crew. And I really had a sense that they were going to do something. And then when they won, it was just uh, it was spectacular. And it was Ireland's first medal of the Games. I just, I loved every moment of that day watching them. They're an amazing group of girls. And yeah, it was just great phenomenal experience and to be honest of all of I, that was my third Olympic Games it was probably the, one, the most special one of all in, in a lot of ways I just I loved it I really really did Excellent Jackie it's been a pleasure talking to you girls play two book two more inspiring stories of Irish sportswomen is available now Jackie thanks very much for talking to us today Thanks so much for having me cheers Rory Yes Hurley enjoyed talking to Jackie Hurley about girls play two book two which is absolutely fantastic as Jackie was mentioning the illustrations in that book top notch absolutely top notch so well worth checking out Girls Play 2 book 2 which is out now uh, next week is the Ryder Cup USA versus uh, Team GB and Ireland or not Team GB and Ireland Europe 
Europe is the word I was looking for there. Well done. Uh, USA versus Europe next week in uh, the Ryder Cup. Cannot wait for it. Um, should be an absolute cracker. Patrick Harrington, of course, is the captain. Dennis Kerwin, our good friend, will be there reporting on the Ryder Cup for us next week. We'll be talking to Dennis on the shows next weekend. But in the meantime, he's been hearing from Patrick Harrington ahead of next week's event. On world rankings alone, this European team would appear on paper to be heading for a big defeat. The average world ranking of the American side is 9, while the average world ranking of Podrick Harrington's European team is 30. But Ryder Cups are about more than rankings alone. They're about courage, determination, teamwork and the will to win. And the Ryder Cup captain is more than happy to have to cope with the underdog's tag. Yeah, I think in the end of the day, you know, we're going to be motivated. We we always have a point to prove. European Tour is always a point to prove that we're we're as good as the PGA Tour. And this is our way of doing it. I think the world rankings stack up heavily in their favour. So we have a point to prove. Can't but say we have a point to prove. We always have. We're going to go out there. They're clear favourites. They should win on paper. We've got to find a way of managing our team. Essentially, I, I know I've got a very, very strong team. And, and just if they play to their ability, and and not above it I think we can do the job Captain Harrington is also very pleased with the blend in his side Yeah look I have a a very balanced team I think both in the styles of their play for forces of formal both in their their experience there's some senior players in there some older players in there there's some young guys in there Uh, you know we can have a bit of fun with the young guys and and they do bring an awful lot of enthusiasm in Yes I have a couple of guys who have played one Ryder Cup which they're perfect you know they've learned and they're, they're they still have the, uh, I suppose, the, the raw enthusiasm going back. So, yeah, uh, it, it looks on paper to be a really nice balance. Clearly, if you want to f- focus, which we're not on the US, they are stronger than us in the world rankings. And if a, if a computer was deciding the result of this tournament, it would... It, the Americans would win. But it's not a computer. There's more to it than that. And uh, I know my job as captain is getting that balance right on Friday and Saturday with the foursomes and four balls, setting ourselves up to be in a nice place to go into the singles. And that that's really the captain's job is to, is to get that, you know, those, those partnerships right, to get everybody in the right frame of mind to get yourself poised to go into the singles. The three-time major winner is confident that his three rookies, Bernd Wiesberger, Shane Larry, and Victor Hovland, will rise to the occasion. I think Bernd is very much in the mould of me in Brookline. He qualified right at the end by playing well. And there's nothing in golf like current form and confidence. So he will have that going in there. I would envision him very similar to me, as I said. The other two just don't feel like rookies. And even Burns, he's got eight tournament wins, uh, you know, Rolex series wins. He's around a long time. He's experienced. And the other two are the same. Shane wins on the big stage. He can handle the pressure. He's won majors, world golf events. So, and, and Victor clearly, what a, what a guy he is, what a player. He just seems unflappable, just goes, goes at it all the time. It's, it's, it's so impressive to watch. So, does Harrington plan to pair Shane Lowry with Rory McIlroy? I'm in no way nostalgic. <laughs> if it's the right pairing, it will be played. Nothing outside of that. There's no, I, I don't go for that sort of stuff. But, you know, if it's the right pairing, it will be done. Uh, and a lot, a lot, you know, do they want to play together? Do they feel like it would be a good partnership? Uh, but I'm not putting them out together based on a picture in 2007. And, and you know, you've got to be realistic about these. These there, there are hard decisions, and we've seen mistakes like that made in the past, where where guys are played from the same country, and you go, you know, oh, just because they're from the same country doesn't mean they have the same games, personalities. 
Harrington decided to pick Shane Lowry for his team and he has been impressed with his form in recent months. I didn't want to put him under pressure, but clearly we're all in the players' lounge, we're all in the in the same hotel. And so you, you also, like, I'd normally go out for dinner with Shane during the week. You, you know, I didn't want to be seen out for dinner just to look like there was any bias or anything like that. So, yeah, it was a strange week in that sense. And, and I am glad that was uh, it was the decision is made. I, I think I'm happier as well that, you know, I had to assure with the vice captains that, you know, I wasn't blinded in some way or biased in some way. So that that was very important to me that in some ways it was harder for Shane to get picked because he knew me than uh, or because we're friends than uh, in normal circumstances. Apart from the three rookies in the team, Harrington's side has lots of experience and will be led by world number one, John Ram, who just loves the Ryder Cup. Nobody wants it more than John Ram. It's been incredible all year, the passion he's had for this. I'm sure he's pretty motivated at the moment too. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and look, he he is very much in the mold of of, of the great Spanish players of Aceve. He's very passionate. He's got the game to back it up too, which is uh, you know clearly as the num- world number one. You know he he'll be the one leading out on the golf course. So, what style of captaincy can we expect from Podrick Harrington? Definitely one size does not fit all. And I looked at great captains over the years and some of the captaincies where I had a great experience, I talked to other players, you know, they came back and said, well, as good as I thought the captain was, they said, well, I didn't have as good a week. So you, you have to you have to realise that. And I've asked each individual player to give me their insights as well. You know, what they thought, what, the, what, what they felt they needed or felt was missing in their Ryder Cup experiences. So... I, I hope we will fill that role for everybody. I think ultimately I have to assure that I give the feeling of confidence to the player, the feeling that I have confidence in my players. Harrington made his own Ryder Cup debut at the infamous battle at Brookline in 1999, and he feels that this renewal could be just as close. The likelihood is it's going to be close and tight. You know, that putt that Justin held, for me, summed up a lot about the Ryder Cup. You know, up to 99, I don't think the Americans could have ever envisaged them celebrating like that uh, on the golf course because it wasn't a match to them. You know, it 99 showed how, how much they cared about winning the Ryder Cup, how you know the celebration it got out of hand but to us in Europe we, we actually pushed them into a corner and that's that was the result of it which is it, it just says how big and important the Ryder Cup is and the, the part that Europe played in it to get to get it to that level it is one of the biggest sporting occasions in the world it's certainly the biggest in golf uh, and there's sure to be drama both Friday and Saturday will begin with four foursomes in the morning, followed by four four balls in the afternoon. The 12 singles matches take place on Sunday, with Europe requiring 14 points to retain the trophy. Let the games begin. Let the games begin, indeed. Cannot wait for the Ryder Cup next weekend. Should be an absolute cracker, as Dennis was mentioning there. US heavily favoured, given their world rankings of the respective golfers, I guess. But it's an incredible event, and hopefully it's going to be close heading into the, the singles matches on Sundays, uh, Sunday, and that'll be a cracking nice viewing on Sunday night but that's it from us thank you very much indeed for tuning away on the big red bench tonight from uh, for tonight from 6 started at 6 it's nearly 7 o'clock now well on uh, we are back next Saturday at 6pm our podcast will be online shortly redfm.ie for that or from wherever you download your podcast from Connor Halpin the legend the myth the man the icon is up next with three hours of the best Irish music and green on red enjoy the rest of your Sunday folks chat to you next week the big red bench Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.